As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Heroes for Sale podcast, Ricardo Ball and Agent Colson, as usual, with us from The Hive. How you doing, Stu? I'm doing well, Ricardo. And yourself, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. And mm-hmm. we've had a bit of feedback from the last one of these we did mm-hmm. regarding, of course, Comic Hub. Right. What's the go? What did they ask for? Well, they, they liked it. Yeah, of course they liked it, you know. But it was quite <laughs> funny that uh, it's a guy, Chris Rigby, who I actually yep. who I know, who uh, yep. listened to the pod. He's yep. a comic guy. He's a very 2000 yep. AD comic guy. He was talking about how much he liked the app. And I'm not doing this to put this in here as a sales pitch for the app, but Comic yep. Hub, the app. One thing that new technology does is sometimes older people who tend to be a bit more set in their ways go, oh, Oh, I'm yeah. gonna have to do it that way. But that was somebody who was really like enjoyed the experience of the app and working out how it, how it worked and and what it could do for him. So I thought that was really interesting for a guy who, sorry, Chris, I'm gonna say must be close to fifty because I think you're around my age and I'm close to fifty. So I don't think I'm tiring you with a bad brush there. But for him to go, look, you know, I, I think this is great and I, it does all these things for me that I couldn't do otherwise. And he's a, enjoying the podcast, but B, enjoying Comic Hub as well. Oh, I mean, we, we got it wrong first time around. You know, I'll admit that. And and I, we really listened to everyone's various, you know, feedback, how it could be improved. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that people are wrong side or right side of 50, as well as the, you know, the technos and their and their teens and their baseball caps around the wrong way can work this out without it without a problem. So that's that's good. That's good stuff. Funny thing is that those kids that we used to go on about with their baseball caps around the wrong way are all in their thirties now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> with, with, with small children, whereas we're just dealing with teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. With grandkids. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've yet to experience that. Hopefully, that's not going to be for another twenty years. To but, joy, I'm sure yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. Sounds like it. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stu, what have you been? What have you been up to this week? Because obviously, you know, you've decided to keep the store shut at level three and just do the, the pickups from the yeah. for, just for safety reasons. So you would have had, I'm picking, a little bit of time on your hands in the last week. Well, I've been reading a lot more comics. It's been great fun. Yeah, it, it was more. It wasn't so much the safety thing, and I really hope people got that. I mean, we tried to put that out on Facebook as to what was going on. It was more. We just didn't want the confrontation in the store. Because pe- it's not like a supermarket where you're walking through at a pace and whatever your opinion is, either way on mass, you can sort of scowl or growl as you walk past the person. You have to pass them in three aisles and then you're out of there. People are in our shop for an hour at a time. It creates that, that animosity that we don't want. And the feedback we've had is obviously both ways. And I think that in itself 
says it's the right thing that we're doing. So we're, and that's the thing, we don't mind taking the flack for making a wrong decision over this. I, I, I'm quite prepared to do that, but I don't want a customer in our shop to feel they're being harassed or that they're uncomfortable because of another customer's position. So I don't care if you think we're right or wrong. That doesn't bother me. You know, we're gonna reopen one day and it'll all be cool. But I don't want any of our customers who come here for a long time and enjoy our space to feel, feel shit. So that's why we, we're doing it. And the feedback that we're getting at the door says it's the right thing. It's timed quite well. I mean, you know, I want to make it pains to point out that it wasn't a marketing exercise releasing the app that you did. Uh, it just happened to coincide. Uh, but it has worked quite well, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not responsible for COVID. This was, this was not timed to, to release with the Comic Hub app. I just want to get that out there. It made it the decision for us easier like it was something that we struggled with and then there was a wow you know this thing's out there you know if chris rigby can work it out and, and david's having no problem putting his orders through with it as you said we're the older guys then yeah it helped the decision let's put it that way it had no part of the decision but at the end of it when we looked at it it was like well we we can make this work and as i said it's let me read more comics so part of me has part of me's going woo -woo. it's 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 been a really good week for comic reading for Stu. so let's go with that shall we how many <laughs> comics have you read this week i don't know i really couldn't tell you but i've got some favorites and i want to talk about them okay, and i'm cool. going to link that back to some of the things we talked about in the past yeah we, we talked in the past about how publishers have their various days there's yeah lb426 is alien day right so the 26th of april has always been out alien day by dark horse each year and they've put out a little bit of sort of merchandise around that and coming up is doctor who day in november I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan, but I am a huge David Tennant Doctor Who fan. I thought his run on that show was just glorious fun, you know, and I really enjoyed it. And I think I've even watched the entire his entire run twice, which is, I mean, I don't watch a lot of telly, so that's, that's massive. But just out, The Lord Victorious by Doctor Who, another bad idea of podcast because I'm waving this in front of <laughs> Ricardo. David Tennant and the Daleks from start to finish. It's a nice big, I think it's probably a 46 pager because it took me a while to get through it. And a couple of pages into it, I was thinking, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then I remember we were talking about my customer from Book Club who always puts on the accents and stuff when he's reading in his head. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this wrong. I've got to read this as David Tennant. And once I did that, it was so much fun. Every way he interacts with the Daleks is just exactly what you would remember from the David Tennant run on Doctor Who. Even the sarcasm and the, you know, I'm not afraid of a whole bunch of Daleks pointing ray guns at him as he sort of threatens them. And you always sort of wondered, how come they're scared? He's got this little screwdriver thing and there's, there's a thousand of them and they always run away. So he gets his he gets his puns in, he gets the seriousness in. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next issue. And it's written by Jodie Hauser, who writes, almost feels, sometimes like she writes everything like uh, i remember at comic con a couple of years ago we have these publisher presentations and they get up and talk about something coming up and i think eight of the ten publishers had a jody hauser work coming out so she is versatile oh, and yeah. she's done a great job on this with glorious art so the doctor who doctor who day is coming up and this is definitely one to lead into that nicely Nice, yeah. nice. I actually just did see that uh, some news about david tennant he's uh, recording a whole bunch of audio books uh, reading all the beatrix potter Okay. Yeah, which is interesting. It's not something I would have put him next to, to be honest, but he's obviously quite versatile on that front. What was her, Beatrice Potter was, which, what was her world? Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. 
Beatrice Potter, yeah, Peter Rabbit. We went to a, we went to this weird theme park in, in Japan, Sue and I, a couple of friends, that had big roller coasters and a spooky house. And the, the haunted house was one of the scariest things I've ever been through. And because it was also partially run down. And it had just that psychological sort of Uzumaki comic type horror of it wasn't trying to scare you it was just sort of trying to make out that this stuff is real and that scared you but then you stepped outside and it was you know the way they do disneyland but it was all peter rabbit and beatrix potter stuff so you, you went from straight horror into kids world and it was like one of these things is not like the other man they need to yeah who designed this layout yeah it was, i don't know spookers and foot rock flats world or whatever got sort of combined <laughs> Spookers. There's a uh, there's an experience. Place to go once, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, uh, the bass player in my band has another band called Ward Ten, which was yeah. obviously is the the mental hospital or the the, the yeah. wing of a hospital, and they filmed their video for a song called "To Be Normal" out at Spookers with wow. nurses, girls in nurses' outfits, and people in straight jackets and all sorts of fun stuff. Sounds like a Zodiac Mind Warp um, video, doesn't it? It does. It does just a wee bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Anyway, David Tennant. My favourite David Tennant. I've never watched Doctor Who. Well, when I say never, I I think the last Doctor I remember watching was Guy with the Curly Hair, Tom Baker. Wow. When I was a kid. So, yeah, I never really really grabbed me. There there weren't blasters and laser swords, so I wasn't really interested. It was was too highbrow for me, I think, uh, is what I'm saying. But I did really like David Tennant in Jessica Jones season one. I thought he was great in that. Oh, he was he was nasty in that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was he was a creepy ass character. Actually, interestingly, David Tennant was actually the first Doctor Who I ever watched. I never watched oh. it as a kid. Um, oh, there you go. Um, and it was when I jumped on and thought, wow, this stuff's quite cool. And then tried to backtrack a little bit, and it didn't really work for me. Yeah, I thought David Tennant and Weeping Angels was uh, terrifying. It was quite funny because I worked with a guy who was a massive Doctor Who fan, and there was outrage in the Doctor Who community when he did the part on Jessica Jones because they were like, the Doctor can't be that guy. I'm like, it's right. a, he's, he's an actor. Yeah. He's just doing a different part. Chill. Yeah, yeah. It's Mark Hamill had a little bit of that, didn't he? Mm. Where, um, everyone, yeah, just that's all you can be is Luke. Yeah. Or, or the voice of the Joker. I think he went with that. I, I watched a lot of it with Frankie when she was quite young. And there was definitely scenes when she'd sort of have her head buried into my chest going, tell me when it's off the screen, Dad. She mm. was quite terrified. And her take when they announced that they were having a, a female doctor was she, she was disgusted because she watched the show imagining she was the companion. So the idea that you'd have a female companion running around with a female doctor, she was just like, I'm not interested. I don't want to watch it. And I was like, well, there's some execs that think they're empowering you and that this is a good idea. And she's like, nah, dumb. So um, that was kind of when we, we kind of checked out on our Doctor Who run and switched to RuPaul. <laughs> <laughs> what a switch. What a switch there. Yeah. Well, I try to watch one show a week with her. And yeah. So it was, for a while it was Doctor Who and then that finished. I was like, well, you find something else we could watch. And then, right. Okay. So okay. This. <laughs> competing drag queens. This is interesting. Yeah. 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 It's probably a comic <laughs> yeah. book in there somewhere too. Um, but <laughs> the Doctor Who comic book, well worth a read. I mean, regardless oh, of mate. whether or not you're a Doctor Who fan. I think you'd have to be a David Tennant. If you're a David Tennant Doctor Who fan, you got to get this. You will thoroughly enjoy it. It is as good as some of the best episodes they have. And if you're just an overall Doctor Who fan, I, I certainly think you'd enjoy it. But if you're not a sci-fi or into the, either of that, I don't know. 
it's just something about reading his character because I mean I'm by I just thought he was so good at it and and you just get Jodie Hauser has done such an amazing job of studying his episodes to know when he would be sort of irreverent and when he would be you know when it was serious and when it was time to you know just to to work out what's going on so yeah if you're a David Tennant Doctor Who fan get this hands down you will enjoy it simple as that yeah, okay, there's recommendation number one from Stu's week of deep diving into the, into the, into his shelves. Uh, what what's next? The next one we've got is we're gonna oh, let's leap to the big bad one. One of the great things about owning a comic shop <laughs> is you when you process these weekly shipments. So you're always looking at the stuff. You know, you, you're putting things aside for everyone, and then every now and then an item comes in. And this one, let's plug it. This was an order come through Comic Up. Someone had searched for this and they dropped it. And it is Godzilla, The Half-Century War by James Stokoe. S-T-O-K-O-E. I'm going to spell it because I don't know if I'm saying that properly. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that's James Stokoe. I'm going to have a quick flick. So we stopped the shipment as I flicked through it. And then I've just gone online and ordered a bunch more because this is probably going to be the coolest Godzilla comic ever. If you're a fan of Akira, this is something you want to get. If you're a fan maybe even of Punisher. I mean, he goes through the ages. He starts off in sort of in the Korean War, then he ends up in Vietnam, and then he ends up in sort of more futuristic wars. And they just tick up continually fighting the resurgence of Godzilla. And the art is when we were talking about Nick Batara and Jeff Darrow's background art, you've got that sort of stuff going on in here. It's just mad the whole way through it. And uh, the dialogue is very much... Godzilla is a Japanese monster, right? Let's not kid yeah. ourselves on that. It's a Japanese creation. So the, the dialogue has a really great Akira feel to it. If you've read those comics, it's, that's how the characters are sort of talking to each other. As we've already said, the backgrounds, we've got that... Jeff Darrow feel to it and then as it moves through these eras it's kind of when you read the first Punisher it's set in Vietnam then the next Punisher's set in you know the Gulf War and then he's set in you know Afghanistan's his latest runs and all that sort of carry on as he moves in and out of sort of mopping up crime bosses and it kind of has a little bit of that feel of the Godzilla and this it starts off with this young captain a tank guy fighting him in the first encounter and then he's progressively getting older and older as they have all these different encounters with the resurgent monster and i've i've loved the godzilla films i just think they're so much fun you know you walk into those you sit down you disengage your brain and you just get entertained for two hours of big robots and monsters and you know things smashing each other through ridiculously impossible scenarios that just don't work and that's why they work beautifully this comic is the epitome of all that the matthew broderick godzilla yeah, yeah, man. Okay. I don't care, you know. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind it. And I remember, I remember talking to someone who was a massive Godzilla fan, and there was a part of it when I said, "Oh, I just like that bit when they, you know, they fed it and he hid, and he goes, that was the problem. Godzilla would never hide.'" And he just sort of, <laughs> it, was, it was like, man, this guy needed a trigger warning on his shirt. And he was one of those sort of bigger, beefy American comic shop owners that every now and then you encounter. He was in full-on rage mode because the Matthew Broderick Godzilla film, Godzilla Hid. And I was like, no, no, it was this thing. It was this thing. It wasn't, it wasn't hiding. Whatever, whatever yeah. she does in the, in the subway. That was, yeah, quite loose. Was that the guy from The Simpsons? He, uh... <laughs> Could have been... Ever- action figure made of himself he just got the guy from the simpsons and just painted on the shirt i mean yeah 
he definitely would have got away with that space. But that, we don't have it in the shop. It was a single customer order put through. But now that I've had a quick flick through it, I'm definitely getting some more. And if you just like comics for the madness that they can present, then that's definitely something you want to take a look at. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Just on that then, I just want to get clear in my head. What did you think of the Mark Wahlberg Transformer films? I go into those films not expecting anything, but... So you, you know, you were well rewarded. Robots getting smashed around and stuff. I'm not looking for a deep story arc or anything like that. And I do sort of, you know, because you have time to wander into the background of these films and start to forget the plot, but think of the world. And I've looked at it and gone, well, a transforming robot is probably what we would get invaded by. It's the future tech, isn't it? DARPA are working on planes, a jet fighter that's wings can change configuration. So it can sort of burn a real low fuel load um, hovering over a war zone for three or four hours. And then when a target of opportunity is noted, the wing configuration changes and it can dive like a a jet and bombing whatever you're going to use a drone now that's a waste of a trillion dollars who cares about that crap but the idea is transforming machines is where we're starting to look at so you go and add 500 years of tech to what we've got and the idea of a transformer is you know what every kid are we playing with so the idea that that's the alien coming in so i'm cool with them i'm totally cool with the transformers and smashing stuff up but again i'm late to the game I didn't read a lot of Transformers. I didn't read any Transformers comics as a kid. I didn't watch the TV show. I don't have that personal investment that some people do do have. And, you know, to defend myself here, I'm, you know, as everyone knows, a huge 2000 AD Judge Dredd fan. And Sylvester Stallone took his mask off, and I thought, well, that's to be expected. They paid him big bucks to be Judge Dredd. I didn't care. I was going in to see a, a dread film. They did their bit. They're different mediums. So when you move from comic to book to play to movie or whatever, there's a different editorial control over what they're trying to achieve. And I, I don't have a problem with it. And I don't go to movies like this at all for the any other reason to be just to be entertained with it. Yeah. And I wasn't. I didn't want to judge you on it. I just wanted to get your take on it because <laughs> there, there is there is no wrong answer. It was, I was just uh, interested right. because I thought those movies were terrible. And like you, I was never invested. Never watched the TV show, never read the comics. I just thought they were terrible movies. I thought they were a bit long. That was the one thing with it. We watched one of them again on uh, at home after seeing it at the movies. And I think it's the one where they end up in Hong Kong. And they start the third act. I was like, what? No, we're done, man. You know, I'm good for 90 minutes of this kind of schlock. I don't need an hour 40 or, sorry, 140 minutes. That's You're going too far. Yeah, there's only so much, you know. Don't think I got to that one. I think I yeah, got the first yeah. two and I gave up. But uh, right. no, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, I just I was just interested to get your t- your take on it because that was kind of my take from not being yeah. in it either. But there you go. Uh, actually, you're on just that, bored or you're I, just, um... yeah, I was just like, Ugh. well, you know, yeah. there is such a thing as you know, you watch Star Wars or you watch any of those movies or you watch the Avengers, and people go, oh, but it's so unbelievable. It's like, well, it's. It's a sci-fi movie or it's a superhero it's, movie. It's but a, there is it's made the, up. Yeah, but <laughs> at times there is this kind of line where you're thinking, really? And I had a lot of that with the Transformers movies. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. But actually that reminds me of another conversation I had with a guy online in a Dungeons and Dragons Facebook group who had asked, Can Warforged, which are effectively, you know, like robots, contract uh lycanthropy if they're attacked by a werewolf? And I was like, well, no, because they're robots, effectively. So if they did change, they'd just be Transformers. And, you know, do you want Transformers in D&D? I don't think you do. <laughs> 
how did the conversation end? Was he happy with that as a response? He was, yeah. He thought he was like, actually, no, that's a fair point. But then somebody else outnerded us by talking about how they changed the description of, and they were now bio-based warforged and stuff. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> I don't think there was a right answer. I don't think there was. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like there was one. Yeah. No, no. Well, what's, what, what else we got on the, on the table tonight? Uh, there's Marvel Zombies. I'll be quick with this. This is Marvel Zombies Resurrected. But I'm not being quick because I don't have a lot to say. But I did enjoy it for its silliness again. And it's basically the entire Marvel universe has been zombified and they're all being eaten up by, you know, so who's left? Peter Parker's left. Had a nice little twist at the end. But this is about the eighth or ninth Marvel Zombies series they've done. And I like the fact that they're taking their time now so they've got a little bit more to say. And I like that it was, you know, it was a good size book and the art's done beautifully. And it was fun to see, you know, some of the some of the bigger characters turn uh, being zombies sort of running around beast as a zombie and then they have to kill them which is always that's the other cool part with this is you never know quite who's going to die because it's totally out of their continuity so fun i enjoyed it it was fun i read issue one i read a lot of issue ones if you're trying to keep up with going on and i think the people who like this book will like what it's it's a continuation of everything else there so i don't think it's a walking dead fan book I don't think you'd swap over to that. It's more of a, I like Marvel stuff and I want to look at something else. But um, yeah, art was cool. Some woody, woody little Spider-Man dialogue in there in a chunky book. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. And then, mm. uh, we only find them when they're dead. Right? Ooh, that sounds they great. Could, they, it's a, this is a big sci-fi from Boom. And Boom has fast become one of my favorite publishers. They, I think they're stepping into Image's old shoes. I think they're sort of really pushing some bigger boundaries. They're doing some cool things for retailers as well. They're printing one per store variants. Cool. That. So for every comic, a lot of the comics when they come out, issue one has this like each store can get a different cover comic, which is neat for the collectible side of it. We're getting them at a, you know, it's one per store. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty cheap, close to nothing almost, I think, apart from freight. And this was cool. It's, do you remember the scene in Guardians of the Galaxy when there's that whole community mining some kind of big alien head? Yeah. They're out in the, yeah, yeah. This is, this is similar to that. It's a salvage on a what they're calling gods. So they find these dead gods and then the humans sort of charge in and who gets the eyeball, who gets the heart, and that sort of carry on. Although that's not what the story's about. There's a little bit more going on with the competition and stuff. And it's almost got a, this is hard to explain. If you ignore the aliens in the alien films, right? Mm-hmm. If we just go back to the sort of the corporate world of what we're looking at, of, you know, the Watani um, corporation and that, this is this feels a little bit like that with a few sort of renegade things running around as well. So I enjoyed that. Um, nice new idea, beautiful art. I think there's going to be a, a nice sort of, if you like Firefly, those kind of sci-fi, you know, we're racing around in space and spaceships, which is I don't usually get a lot into that because too often it turns into, you know, rail cannons at six degrees or whatever, which after a while gets pretty pointless. But there's a nice scene in here when they're slicing and dicing this alien's heart and putting it into the hold or this god's heart, put it into the hold. I thought, wow, it's just the way the panel layouts went through it to sort of chunk it and then slice and then robotically put it into these cases. It was just a, an assembly line process of carving up a god's heart and it, it was something that for a couple of pages that I looked at and went wow that's possibly something that a lot of people just skip over but if you actually look at what they're saying and doing with that that was that was cool it was yeah I really dug that but, and the art is has some neat sort of they do some cool things in the spaceship without being sort of spaceshipy you know and like in Star Wars how they're hanging onto the cockpit it's all eh, right around this is sort of just 
hands in the air and then they've used a kind of a nicer digital art to make out that he's interacting with a sort of Tony Stark type interface as they fly the ship. So it's got some cool future tech for the way that works. It's got some neat sci-fi ideas for the way that I, the concept of what they're doing works. It had some screen page layouts that I really enjoyed having a, a good slow um, pour over. What a cool title, right? You only find them when they're dead. Yeah, yeah, it's working. It's working a treat. That stood yeah. out for me. That was, what else grabbed my attention because of the title, and I ended up buying a few of them. Oh, a basket full of heads, which was like oh, a yeah. horror run that yeah. Joe Hill, Joe Hill did. Joe Hill stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And if we're talking about the the Joe Hill horror lock and key world and such, that's linked to it. Sandman and lock and key got a crossover coming up. That's going to be the book of the year, man. That's going to be huge. I think it's the first issue was in the latest previews or latest catalogue. So I think it's going to be out probably end of October. Interestingly, it's IDW that's publishing it, not DC. I would have thought to get that kind of collaboration, it would have been DC saying it's us. But they've obviously, who knows, Stephen King has some pull after all, maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally. that's, That's going to be madness. Yeah. That will be. And if you're wondering what Stu's referring to there, Joe Hill is the pen name of Stephen King's son. Batman Three Jokers. You mentioned it last week, but we haven't talked about it. Wow. I mean, it's Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. And there's a point when you start to look at some art and is it a homage? Is it a, you know, we've, we've just talked before about how Jeff Darrow and James Stokoy, Stoko, however we're going to get his name. Stoko. Yeah, Stoko have a, have a similar feel to them, right? And if you like this guy, you like that guy. And then every now and then someone's painting gets sold at an auction and they go, that's a complete fabrication of someone else's. That's a, you know, someone else has ripped off someone's style or they've signed it as them and it's really not them. Jason Fabok has, this is, this is, it feels like I'm reading Brian Bolland who did the original artwork for Killing Joke to the point that it's like, wow, I don't know how I feel. I like it. I really like the art and I like that they've told this story with that style. Gary Frank's pretty close to the style as well. But Fabok is, did he get permission? Is almost where you want to go with it on some of the scenes. Like there's pictures of the Joker that are like flashbacks from the killing joke. Sorry, do you think he's done it as a homage? Well, deliberately? No, this is his style. And DC has matched him as the artist to it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone can comment and we can, we can come back in and decide what it was next week. But the cool part about that is it, it works. Like, it, it doesn't detract from it at all. There's a little bit of, uh, and then every now and then there's, man, did, he, did they just photocopy that and lift that image of the Joker into the page? And then Jeff Johns, he has written this as, like, he's trying to be an Alan Moore. So this is, this is the sequel to The Killing Joker, right? The Three mm-hmm. Jokers. This is how it's been advertised, how it's been marketed. And if we saw, when they do a sequel to a movie, you want the same actors, don't you? Like when they swapped out the, in the Iron Man film, when they swapped out the War Machine, uh, the war machine everyone was like, oh, couldn't you pay them to get enough of the same War Machine? And we're all a little bit miffed. So you've got to compare that attitude to what you're looking at in the comic. And for some reason, I guess as comic fans, we, we're a little bit more precious about it. And, and there's a little bit, oh, you've ripped that off or whatever. You know, if, if Sandman Lock and Key isn't the book of the year, Batman Three Jokers is, okay? It is, it is so well done as a sequel that it makes you really start to think a lot about the artist rights and all that and the industry stuff and a whole bunch of the things that we've talked about in previous podcasts. It came with some of the worst promotional covers from a retailer's point of view ever. There was three different covers of the Joker 
and to get them i had to order 50 copies of each and it's like 6.99 it's like a 15 dollar new zealand book killing joke hasn't been out for a while we're at the end of covid and there was a whole lot of retailers going man 25 or 30 i'll take a punt on that you know i could probably muster up 10 pre-orders for people to take all three but at 50 i was like nah and i'm still sitting here now going did i do the right thing did i do the right thing because we've we've sold quite a few online we've got a lot of orders dc obviously overprinted because this is with the new distributor which we've also talked about so we've never had available stocks for reorders but i've been able to go back and get some more if you haven't read a comic in a long time and you've read the killing joke you're not going to be disappointed in this you know it's going to be three parts if you're david harris if you're listening i'm sorry we if you had to let us know man and a few of your buddies got together we would have gone deep and we would have grabbed those variants because they look sweet they are jason Faybox art is is you know a brian bolland cover is always a hot hot cover that people go for and so maybe we blew it maybe we got it right and and stayed out of the way but what comics can be you know what a superhero comic can be when you've got the time when the creators can sit down and, and i don't know how long it's taken to craft this i don't know if this, this, this is a year in the making or whatever to get this first couple issues out but they they have done a beautiful job at every level and it's in that nice sort of card stock so it's not the sort of smaller comic that some people you know want to trade weight or whatever or you know get the graphic novel and that comes out of the hardcover this is well done well done dc yeah, it's probably going to be the biggest selling book of the year because um, IDW is doing the Sandman crossover. It's going to be three issues. So issue yeah. one is out and issue one came with sort of two covers that we could order. And then it had each issue then has three covers that you have to order 50 copies of. And then if you were a retailer, I mean, listen to the hoops, this shit we're going to go through. If I'd ordered 450 comics, basically, there was then one more special variant that I could have ordered. So at 150, you know, 350s per issue, then there was the one for 450 variant. So they were saying, you know, go in and you can buy that. And I'm looking at it and thinking, I'm not going to sell a comic for a thousand bucks in New Zealand. And that would have been the kind of, I would have needed some kind of pre-order for that or then to try and ship it back to the US to, to get that. And, and even that, it still would have been a huge, huge risk in, in these unsettling COVID times. So they're beautiful. I wish I'd done them. I didn't. We live and learn, and it's better that you still got a comic shop running rather than yeah, you yeah, sitting on the side of the road with 450, 450 Batman comics. copies of Batman comics, <laughs> yeah, rocking back and forth, sucking on my thumb. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Ah, oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, you've you've talked me into it. I'm going to have to go on and jump on the app and order. <laughs> Uh, three jokers yeah. now and i'm probably going to have to order we only find them dead as well and i'll tell you what if rachel lets you get godzilla or at least borrow my copy when it gets into the shop man yeah it is just gorgeous it is gorgeous yeah Sorry. and then uh, let's round it out i've got two you pick one but i'll do one really quickly and then one is a so we've got spy island and then hellblazer rise and fall oh uh, let's go hellblazer that's the main one okay don't skip over Spy Island, folks. This is Chelsea Kane, okay? Marvel dropped her under a bus. She's a fantastic creator. She's copped heaps of shit from white trash fanboys because she's tried to make female superheroes powerful. And she is a very, very talented creator. And Spy Island is fun. It's a Bermuda Triangle murder mystery kind of spy things. Ricardo, you see that? The sort of 1960s advert with them running away with the octopus sort of things. Ah, yeah. um, good fun. 
and she's she's clever and we must always support everything Chelsea Kane does to basically do the big finger to the people that are trying to break drag her down. She did not deserve what she, she got. But we'll roll out, man. Hellblazer Rise and Fall. Again, DC doing these big format books. This is going to be three parts. Uh, Tom Taylor is writing it and Derek Robertson of Transmetropolitan would be his biggest fame. If you are a fan of any Sandman story that ever had John Constantine in it, if you've ever read any Lucifer story that had John Constantine in it, and of course, if you are a Hellblazer fan, this is probably the best thing that DC has done in a very, very long time. And I would even go better than Batman Damned, which had, which was Constantine and Batman. This is John Constantine being the scouser ass that he is with victims falling down around him because of the problems he's caused. You know, there's a death, there's revenge, there's the devil, and there's angels, and there's lots of horrific violence, but done in a horror horror way, not a horrible way, if that makes sense. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's, again, three parts and that big black label format, which makes it really cool to leave on your coffee table for people to come around and you can be a comic snob and go, oh, no, no, it's not just all silly stuff. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like perfect fodder for a relaxed Catholic boy like me. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. There's a church scene in there, don't worry. <laughs> there's, there's a pentagram, there's a summoning, come on. It's, it's all the things, all the best Hellblazer stories are all rolled up into one. Yeah, yeah. you can't yeah. go wrong with a pentagram, I always say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Chris Rigby, if you're still listening, Sue has just slipped me a note that your one of your questions was about you got your comics from the bookstores and stuff like that. We, at Heroes for Sale here, Sue and I have worked, we have developed a 10-week program for schools for creating comics that we've taught it at primary and intermediate schools there's a lot of schools now that they don't get comics but they certainly get the small graphic novels so there's a lot of the manga we supply a lot of schools around the country with manga and the sort of the junior superhero stuff especially the supergirls story arcs that come out and and so kids today are growing up reading comics across the entire spectrum they're not just reading sort of the limited range that we would have had available to us at post office or the the local dairy schools are, are ordering a very very diverse range and kids can basically read anything so it's kind of frustrating even now and then when you see some idiot politician going well how do we get more kids you know kids aren't reading enough and i'm like well increase the library budget so they can buy more books and that kids want to read for pleasure and not something that you must read chapters one and two by you know thursday and write a 16 page summary on it but why can't you just go home and read a book because you want to read a book and comics are filling that gap in schools yeah that's that's where a lot of kids now read their first comic it's in the school library then we see them on the weekend Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show we do listen and we do answer your questions. If you've got any questions yeah. or any topics that you want us to address on the podcast, just uh, head to Facebook and Heroes for Sale on Facebook and just message Stu or head to Wrecking Ball Media on Facebook and message me. We'll, we'll crowbar them somewhere into a podcast and yeah, answer cool. your questions. Yeah, cool. That easy. Cool. You know, we get the questions come in, Stu, and it's like, all right, Avengers assemble. Let's get together. How are we going to answer this? <laughs> at the beginning, at the end of the show. And uh, yeah, yeah. so if you ask a question, we're going to answer it in two parts. You're going to sit through the whole, uh, through the whole <laughs> podcast. Here, you know, it's our evil plot. It's our evil yeah. plot. Indeed. Indeed. Good stuff, well, Stu. Hopefully, hopefully you enjoy them, though, guys. Hopefully you enjoy them, because we certainly enjoy doing them. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a 
thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.